the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. I'm Mark Howington. This is Life in Colorado, and I have with me Benjamin, who is the organizer of the program here in Denver called Denver Homeless Out Loud. And Benjamin, I'm sorry, I didn't even get your last name. Tell me your last name. It's Dunning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Glad you are joining us on the program. And as we were talking before, I actually pressed the record button. Uh, Homelessness really is a hot topic, not only here in Denver, but you said along the nation as well. And tell you what, let let me start us off this way, Benjamin. I'm going to read just a paragraph right from your website, which is denverhomelessoutloud.org. Did I get that right? Denverhomelessoutloud.org. And here's the paragraph. It says, Denver Homeless Out Loud works with and for people who experience homelessness to help protect and advocate for dignity, rights, and choices for people experiencing homelessness. We commit our efforts toward goals affirmed and raised by homeless people within our organization and throughout the homeless community. We strive to add our strengths together to expose the root causes of homelessness and to create ways of living in which everyone has a safe place they can call home. I like that paragraph. And Benjamin, if you don't mind, let's just kind of start there with a definition. What's this issue of homelessness? What what causes it? You know, the choices people make perhaps to be homeless, the choices that are made upon them. One of the things I noticed was all right. So, so three things. You're, yeah, you're just you just take it over. What go, go for homelessness it. Homelessness and 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 whatnot. So, uh, but you also added in people's choices as yes. far as homelessness. Yes. People's choices don't cause homelessness. Gotcha. Uh, the lack of affordable housing causes homelessness. Low wages uh, uh, cause homelessness. I mean, people, if they're working a job 40 hours a week, there ought to be something in the market that people can afford um, to rent um, or even potentially buy, but there isn't. Um, So uh, what that does is it puts great pressure on people who are working um, what we've currently described as um, um, essential jobs, which are low-paying, so our grocery store clerks and the people that deliver stuff and all of that, all those jobs are low paying. Um, and then you add into that, you know, um, entertainment and uh, travel industry stuff. So like hotels and restaurants and that kind of stuff, those jobs even pay layer. So lower. So if anything goes wrong in those folks' life, they can't keep up with whatever rent is being charged. Um, you have, you, you, um, you, you, you break a leg, you get sick, uh, and you lose your job, and all of that will send people homeless. Um, so those aren't personal life choices that people are making. That's an economy kind of thing. Certainly, and then COVID certainly has made that worse. It's made it much, much worse. Uh, uh, the U.S. used to have a problem with this in the 20s. 
um, low wages and all of that kind of stuff, and they came out with something called the New Deal. Um, and part of the New Deal was uh, in addition to uh, getting people uh, working at jobs that paid um, a livable wage, uh, they also there was also a housing component to that. Um, and then later came the um, you know the uh, the federally backed loans uh, for purchasing homes, um, and that was keeping people off the streets until the budget got caught, cut in the middle 80s. Um, and we've seen mass homelessness again ever since. So let, let me ask you, Benjamin, because um, part of my story, and, and this will actually come to play a little bit later in our conversation, but I, I lived in Denver, uh, moved here, I'm going to say late 70s, moved away uh-huh. in the about just about right before 2000 and um, came back uh, about 20 years later and noticed a couple of things. One, population here in Denver all by itself just grew incredibly. And also the homeless population here in Denver grew. Now, before, when I lived here about 20 years ago. (laughs) at the same time, you can go city to city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that homelessness represents a certain percentage of the population. But I I actually did some work with homelessness. There was an organization that I was with called YWAM Youth with a Mission, and we did some Uh homeless ministry. And Um, and, I have have a few friends that were part of YWAM. Oh, great. Okay, obviously. So good. We got some good connections then. So one of the things I, I did notice is that, you know, I I won't differ with you that sometimes people homelessness is forced on people. One of the things that I did find out in terms of working with homelessness, some do choose because some some people, you know, and I think this is fine. Where did um, you do this work? Um, actually, you're in the streets of the streets here in Denver. But but some uh-huh. some people, you know, prefer the lifestyle so, uh, of. Uh, uh, so so it was was it directly through YWAM? Yes, it was. Well, uh, there's. Uh, or, or was it through a different service provider? Um, you know, a couple of different providers. Uh, Denver Rescue Mission. Uh, Jesus okay, on Rescue Mission. Yeah, Denver Denver uh, Jesus on Main Street. I don't know if you're familiar with Andy right. Cannon. Um, something to know about the Denver Rescue Mission. Yeah, their primary purpose is their new life program. Yes, okay. Um, and that is a drug and alcohol recovery program. Okay. So if you're working with them, you know, if you go to a motorcycle shop, you're probably going to see a lot of people in leathers. Yeah. If you go and <laughs> yes. you work with a drug and alcohol recovery program, you're probably going to see a lot of people with a lot of drug and alcohol issues. Okay, so um, that what what that tells me, and, and I, I'm tracking with you, because what that tells me, for example, I used to be an alcoholic, and I have had mm-hmm. recovery from that. Now, a lot of people have this stereotype of the alcoholic as, you know, the drunk in the gutter. And so kind of what right. I'm gaining and from our... exist. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's kind of what I'm gaining from our conversation is you're... And I, it seems like that's what you also are advocating here is that there's a stereotype about perhaps a homeless person. And you're saying, right. hey, you know what? People, hardworking people who can't afford to keep up with the cost of living are out there on the streets. Talk about that. And that's the majority of people that are out on the streets. Uh, the problem is, is that um, when the media shows up to cover any homeless issues, the only person they seem to be interested in pointing the camera at is is the drunk in the gutter. Okay. Um, with all of the camps that are popping up in these streets, if you walk by these camps, what you're going to notice is these these camps are fairly well, neatly organized, fairly well kept. You know, maybe a little lawn chair out in front of a little tent and whatnot. But what picture will you see in the news? The one messy camp 
in that the you know the one messy tent in that camp that like that's what gets promoted our 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 news has a narrative that they want to spread about homelessness um it's pretty oppressive and it's all tied in the property um um uh real estate speculation which will take some time to go through um but you mentioned a lot of people moving here into denver yes when you came back well, what that does is it gives property real estate speculators an opportunity to make some money. Sure. Um, I was um, Denver didn't have a housing conference this year, um, which which I attend yearly and and, and regularly. Uh, but at last year's conference, one of the conversations that they were having, and this is this is everybody in the housing, all the developers and and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and the banks and all of that. And one of the conversation pieces is, you know, the difference between a reasonable rate of return and a maximum rate of return. Why does everything have to be built in the city at a maximum rate of return? Mm -hmm. You know, we have no budget apartments in this city. There are none. Everything is market rate and above. Uh, you know, putting a lot of pressure on people with, with, with low wages. And so folks with low wages, you know, you know, they're having to look at uh, affordable housing. 87% of the renters in the city make $35,000 a year or less. Yes. So, um, so that's a lot of pressure on folks when the average rent is like $1,400, $1,500 a month. Um, so uh, you have all of that, um, and that's all driven by real estate speculation. And the inability of our um, zoning office and government officials to, to not say to these developers, no more luxury developments. You build us some budget stuff. You build us something in the middle until we get our need met, and then have fun with the luxury stuff. Um, but they don't. So it's, it a, it's a diversity, it sounds like, in housing that seems to be missing in the Denver area. All, all across the nation. They all do it this way. Okay. So let's go back. Like you say, this is a complicated issue. We're certainly not going to solve it in the half an hour we have. But but let's let's go back. Describe it so your listeners are informed. Oh yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly why I have you on the phone because that's that's what we need is to to definitely get the viewpoints talking to each other and and getting this out. So let's let's go back to the tents because I know that's hot button in the news right now. The tent cities Uh that are popping up and. so, as you said, you you the news focuses in on a lot of the those dirty camps, you know, and the the poor sanitation and the needles all over the place. But you're right. saying that the majority of them well, are the needles are not all over the place. Okay, uh, that winds up getting reported. Uh, they do exist. Okay, I mean, for example, um, I I used to. Um, um, I mean, I walk all over the city, all different times of the day, especially at night. Um, and I had a business owner that complained that they had needles in front of their door, you know, every day. And I knew it was a lie. It was possible that one morning they walked in and there was a needle. Mm-hmm. But what they reported to everybody else was that it, that it was every day. Um, that's part of, um, you know, that, that that's part of the narrative shaming that we do of the homeless and over-reporting uh, various different stuff. And so the media, rather than challenging that, takes their report and puts it right out there. Um, says, yeah, we talked to somebody and they say they see this stuff every day. When the truth of the matter isn't that, because typically they haven't talked with the homeless community in the process of that, um, and and you know and you know get a get a fuller picture of what's actually happening. And and um, so I'm I'm going to ask you because um, 
And I apologize that it's on my desk and I don't have it right here in front of me, but you were in the news a few days ago and you were talking about a survey that you did. And there were a certain number, I think it was 600, I'm guessing, based upon my memory here. But the report said 64 camps that we were able to get to, but we didn't have that many volunteers. So, you know, we probably got to a got to a third. So describe describe then the typical camp then. What does it look like? Typical camp, you know, four, five, six, eight, ten um, 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 tents in a row. Um, you know, um, either one or two people typically in the camp. Some of the tents have several people. Uh, there are a lot of people that are um, um, sharing two-man camps with three or four people, um, sometimes as many as five. Are these families typically? No. These are uh, people making decisions. I'd rather sleep in a tent with someone that maybe I'm not so sure of or aware of rather than sleep out in the open on the ground. Yeah. Um, and what this has done is left a lot of uh, uh, women in um, vulnerable positions sharing tents with men that uh, they don't feel safe with, but they feel safer with men than they, than they do uh, just sleeping out random on the ground. That's one of the big issues. That's why it's important that uh, we try to find more ways to get, you know, if we don't have money for housing, the least we can do is get a bunch of tents out there so uh, so these women can get themselves uh, separated from uh, these situations that they don't feel very safe in. Um, so, yeah. So the public seems to be reacting pretty negatively to that, and, oh, yeah. and we'll, we'll get there in a second. But, you know, part of, part of it is um, – you know, for example, near the Denver City and County building, there's been a tent city, and I know that got swept a while by the governor's mansion, and then uh, Maury Middle uh, School. Not true. The, the folks okay. at the governor's mansion left on their own accord okay. at the threats of a sweep, but they did ah. not sweep that. Okay. All right. And also, that was um, that was a protest camp by Black Lives Matter. Ah, okay. Uh, they were joined by a bunch of other homeless individuals. So it's like, oh, there's tents here. Uh, they can be here. We'll be here. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but that particular camp at the governor's mansion was a protest camp from some Black Lives Matter folks, and he is so unaware of what's going on in the state that he wasn't aware of that in front of the governor's mansion there was a protest camp. You would think a politician would understand when there's a protest camp in front of particular government buildings that they're <laughs> that are part of their lives. So but and, he doesn't and live and, there. He lives in Boulder. Gotcha. And, and to be honest, I think that's unfortunate that you know that the the issues are getting mixed because homelessness right. really does need to be addressed. So let me let me ask you specifically about I don't know if you know about this camp or been there, but the Maury Middle School camp I know has yep. raised some eyebrows and obviously right. if school starts back in August they, they probably can't be there. Um, you know, so we've got these camps coming up. The public's reacting. What What do you think? What do you think's the solution here? Is there Is there a way to satisfy maybe all needs? For example, get, take care of the homeless, give them a, an opportunity to perhaps, if they if that's the choice, they are left with to set up a tent somewhere, and yet somehow satisfy these public outcries. What What do you think? What do you think why, is going to be? Why are the homeless putting tents along our sidewalks? rather than in parks, parking lots, open lots? Why are they along sidewalks rather than these other places? I'm waiting for your answer because you're the expert, so go for it. <laughs> so the reason we, I mean, the reason they're along sidewalks and stuff in some of those public spaces is because of the policing in these other places. Um, our parks have 11 o'clock curfews. You're there after 11 o'clock, 
Yeah, I mean, you get trespassing charges mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and so we have a society that uh, when people are stuck outside, have given them no option of where they can go. Um, the camp over there by Maury Middle School, um, they were just on one block over um, by a big, huge church with a big, huge lawn. Um, uh, St. John's Cathedral over there off of, uh, off of 13th. Um, and they had been there for a month. The city decided that they were going to sweep them out, and so they just moved another block over. And where do they go? So they weren't in front of pe- you know, they weren't um, on the sides of streets with people's houses and stuff were. They were close to a church. The church didn't invite them onto their property. So when they moved again, they're across the street from the church on the other side of the property, next to a building that isn't being used. That's where people typically go. They try to go places where they can be as much out of the way as they can um, because we don't give any options. Um, Denver is, the mayor's just approved what he calls a safe outdoor space um, publicly, but privately they haven't approved any of the um, uh, proposals that people have brought um, to them. Um, making it so difficult. They find every reason they can why, um, you know, they can't set up a, um, you know, a sanction camp here or a sanction camp there. It just seems like every little zoning issue, every little, you know, anything's going to be better than people alongside the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no but kidding. they don't seem to be willing to uh, to move in that direction, Um uh, and it gets to this real estate speculation stuff. I mean, if you hear in his comments, he keeps saying this. He keeps saying the T word all the time. He, he keeps saying this T word temporary, temporary, mm. temporary. And there's a reason he's signaling to um, all his campaign financiers, which is the real estate lobby groups. Um, you know, is um, uh, did you know that the uh, they're beginning construction on the second tiny home village today? No, I didn't. All right. Now, that village has been fully funded for three years. But they have been unable to get permission from the city or access uh, to land because of the way things are set up. You know, it was slow to change zoning stuff for this highly successful uh, program. And it's, you know, it's not going to get us out, but, you know, they're cute highly successful why not have more of them and what's all the resistance there's no reason why there couldn't be a dozen tiny home villages in the city already but there's all this great resistance from high-end property developers that don't want to see these tiny little homes that cost almost nothing to build when they can build some um something luxury where they're going to make um you know make maximum rate of return rather than you know reasonable rate of return so, so you know based upon our conversation in the real estate in that that keeps us from doing the kinds of things that we need to do and right. to take care of our poor. Right. And obviously, you know, as we talked before about the wages and the cost of housing and yeah, cost mm-hmm. of housing in Denver has just gotten astronomical. And, and so let's, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, that disparity we've talked about, you know, the, the unfortunate uh, stereotype of who a homeless person is. We've talked about some government issues. Let, let me address something that, that I know I live in Lakewood. And so one of the, one of the issues, in fact, this happened uh, shortly before I moved into Lakewood, so I don't really know all the details, but I know they were talking about setting up some, some area for homeless to be. 
I know that a lot of the residents were up in arms because they were afraid of things like, uh, you know, hey, if they don't really have enough income, then are they going to, you know, steal stuff out of our homes? Are we going to be in danger? You know, and I know you're advocating Welcome for this. Welcome to Jim Crow narratives that they've used against the uh, African-American community for a couple, you know, for, for over a century now. It's the same stuff. Okay. We don't like you. We don't want you. And so we're going to make up uh, stuff about what your behavior could be. Um, and we're going to promote that to prevent you from being among us. Um, it's exclusionary. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a classist form of racism. Um, and um, so all of those arguments, um, late, um, I mean, just a couple of years ago, um, the federal government, uh, when it sells land, needs to give uh, the first opportunity for those land buyers um, to be folks that do affordable housing developments. So the uh, over by the federal center, uh, they were selling some land, and a bunch of property developers wanted to develop some sort of a business park over it. Well, they forgot to uh, make it available for affordable housing developers. And so when the Colorado Coalition uh, for the Homeless, which is an affordable pr- uh, uh, housing uh, property developer, got word of it, says, hey, you have to talk to us. And there was a huge uprising out in Lakewood. Yeah. And all of those kinds of arguments came by like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to come by, you know. And um, and it was coming from their council members who are basically, you know, our, our municipal politics all throughout the country are, are – are, are basically bought and paid for by by land developers and real estate agents and, and those kinds of lobbies and that kind of stuff. So the words, the, the seeding words that were coming from all their council members, which then got repeated by people who wanted their approval, um, was all of the stuff that you just described. Um, it was awful. Um, then in the end, um, there was, um, when they filed their paperwork, uh, there was a particular form um, that they had filed a year's previous form provided by the government that had been updated. And rather than the government saying, like, send us this year's form, they just canceled it altogether, mm. um, you know, and the appeals process. So everything was done that could possibly be done to prevent poor people from being uh, in that neighborhood. Well, wow. um, Benjamin, we're we're kind of getting short on time, and I want to give right, you right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm I tell old man stories. I'll go on forever. No, it's all right. I I just wow, you know, just this this half an hour conversation with you again. I'm talking with Benjamin from Denver, homeless out loud, and and you know the issues are, boy, they are thorny, they are complicated, mm-hmm. they're complex. But uh, in the in the three minutes we have left, give me some closing thoughts. Where are you going to go from here? What what's what's the path forward, at least from your organization? Uh, well, we're going to continue to try to get the voice of the homeless community out into the general public. Uh, but I think one of the things is uh, I want to say a couple common sense things. Um, housing ends homelessness, not job training. <laughs> um, uh, housing ends homelessness. Um, and so either we build and fund the housing or we don't. Um, and without it, we will have mass homelessness. Um, that's, that's a conversation. People will talk about wraparound services, but they never talk about housing. Any housing money usually gets spread out to drug and alcohol recovery shelters and, 
all different kinds of stuff. We need to be talking about housing, places where people can live. Three, Denver has 320, no, sorry, yeah, 320,000 living units in Denver, um, according to um, according to the uh, Department of Housing Stability. Um, there are 100,000 uh, evictions around the corner. That's a third of the property that's going to be locked up and empty. <laughs> yes. In just a few weeks. Yes. Um, and so... It's not a lack of resources. Um, and so, uh, and we're willing to, you know, we're willing to allow, you know, the the real estate lobby to lock up a bunch of buildings where people could be living and keep them empty while people are out on the street. That needs to change. Yeah, like you say, it's, wow, the the road is, is bumpy, thorny, twisty, and, uh, and difficult because you're you're talking about uh, you know a lot of different aspects of our society working together in concert to make make this happen. Boy, I mm-hmm. wish we had more time. It's amazing. I I knew from the well, outset. Have me come on again, like you can tell. I'll keep going on, and there's and we could we can we can pick something and get more in depth. It it may very well be that that you become a regular uh, guest here. Uh, on our life in Colorado, Benjamin. I'm sorry, t- I didn't write it down. Tell me your last name again. Uh, D-U-N-N-I-N-G. Okay, and, and how do they get in touch with you, your organization? Uh, the best way to get in touch with us is to email us, info at org. Excellent. Benjamin, I and just... the best way to follow us is to follow us on our Facebook page. We'll keep folks advised about homeless news and things that we're doing and, uh, and our reactions to the way the city's responding to a bunch of stuff. Benjamin, thanks for being a part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.